0: Be around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth dot youorg That's truth number two, letteryou.org. It's season two of Torah Pills. I'm John and Joining me in the virtual Truth to You studio, all the way from Ireland, is Jason of spiritualbabies.net. G'day, mate.
1: G'day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Torah Pills.
0: Welcome to Torah Pills. And in Indonesia, the author of Let's Get Biblical Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah, Volumes 1 and 2. You can get a copy. Get a copy on Amazon. You can get a copy from his website, outreachjudaism.org. That's OutreachJudaism. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobias Singer.
2: Thank you for having me. Great to be back.
0: Thank you, my friend. And now I have to uh, thanking you guys, but I have to apologize to the listeners because we missed the last two. That was my fault. Came down with a cold, couldn't talk, still got a little bit of it. But we missed the last two in the book of Numbers. We're now in Devarim. We're kicking off in the book of Deuteronomy. How about yeah, that? Yeah, this
2: is the, the the fifth, the final book of the Torah.
0: That is exactly what we're... Now, if you're listening in 2016 to this program, you'd probably say, you know, you're saying, but I listened to them just last week. That's because... <laughs> in a year's time from now in a year's time from now we're probably going to get round to recording both of those yeah but if you're listening now
2: you're gonna to have to wait for a year okay.
1: or time travel someone's figured time travel now either way they're online <laughs> there
2: it is. or you might be saying hearing it and going wow this is what it sounded like. Before the Messiah came
0: And I would I, I hope that is probably I hope that is true That would be wonderful In a year's yeah. time If people were saying that And made that happen soon Yeah Well this is the way That it kicks off Tobia It says uh, These are the words Deuteronomy chapter 1 Verse 1 These are the words Which Moses spoke To all Israel On this side of the Jordan In the wilderness In the plain Opposite Suh, Between Paran Tophel Laban Ahazarot, Dizahab
2: Dizahab Yeah the, the, it's called Deuteronomy essentially it's uh, but it really is it's called Mishnah Torah the second law the book of Deuteronomy the entire this entire book only covers a period of less than 6 weeks of time and is that right yeah this is this is the end of Moses' life it's very sad this is really his farewell to the people And for those of you who have a very good ear, you know, I I remember meeting people who are, you know, musicians who can, you can play any note and they can tell you what note it is. You have a very good ear for scripture. You could taste the farewell letters of other great prophets. Uh, who would turn to the people? Because I, I, it's this is very this is a different book. This last work in Jewish tradition. This really is coming now through the filter of Moses. Meaning, um, one of the things that we uh, we discussed is that until the really the Torah is the, is. Every letter was dictated by God, and Moses wrote down everything that God told him. Moses had no influence whatsoever on the text and One of the things that's very striking in all our shows is that we 've seen that the chronology of the Torah is completely out of order mm, because all over the place. yeah because it 's all, all over the place, but you 'll notice that 's not going to be the case here in deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is going to move at a different type of pace it 's going to be much more structured, and this is in this is really a farewell to the people, and just like uh, for those of you who really have a good ear for, for spiritual music when you when you uh, when you look look at the book of Jeremiah or Ezekiel, those are transitional prophets because they were watching their nation moving from living during the time of the temple, the first temple to going into exile, the Babylonian exile. Mm -hmm. So they would prepare the nation and warn them about the things that they would be very vulnerable to Ezekiel and Jeremiah, of course, one of them, be careful about vicarious atonement. Jeremiah, don't stop with the sacrifice. That's what got you into trouble. Does it really... Because it is, it's those who are... Not goodbye like goodbye, but this is a massive transition. And that's why, if you just... This opening passage you read, I, when I read it this morning, I it just brought me to tears. Because this now, if you look at the words, we have a different language. These are the words that that um that Moses told to the people of Israel on the other side of the Jordan, meaning they had not entered the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really quite different than what we've been used to, because normally the Torah says, this is what God said to Moses. This is what God said to Moses. That's the normal refrain. That's mm-hmm. the maxim. These are actually the words of Moses, of course, Moses, according to Jewish tradition, of course, is speaking beruach Kodish with divine inspiration, but this is coming through Moses. We're going to see it very personal in these few chapters in the in the portion of Deuteronomy where Moses is going to personally explain some events of the past where the Jews have stumbled and preparing the Jews to be strong for what they're about to encounter there's messianic illusions here which means, like in Jeremiah you could have, a lot could have happened here my friends and I'll point that out in uh, just a moment, and even here in this very stretched out verse the verse 1, Deuteronomy Mm. one one, these are with, he's speaking really in a veiled uh, he's the every one of these places really where, where the Jews had sinned so he begins by it's a magnificent speech and of course it, but you know each one of these places like the Dezahav well there's an allusion to the golden calf uh, even the thing like we're 11 day journey from Mount Sinai um. Well, what? Well, what is it? that's verse two, which is the beginning there. That means mm-hmm. like you could have been there. You you were that close. Just that's as far as we were. But everything um had to change the plans because they did not trust in God, and that's the other thing we're gonna see here. What does mm-hmm. trust mean? It doesn't mean blind faith. You have faith in God, but do you trust that God will keep His promise? So that's that, that, This yeah, this is not even six weeks of time. End
1: of Jason, life. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to um quick, like skip over what Tovia had said um there's if there are a few other um big names uh, in the Tanakh who give a, kind of a final speech. Um, not always a deathbed speech but you no know, within the realms of their last days you can um find ex- uh, examples with uh Joshua and David uh Jacob it's a quite famous one that's often um paralleled with Moses uh, and Samuel and there's so there's a couple of um things i wanted to um bring up and one of them um i've got a couple of questions for tiber as well um traditionally i think this is something like 37 days before Moses dies so he's got like a like David five and a
2: half weeks it's something right, It's a little yeah. more than five weeks
1: now in um in uh verse two okay it says there are 11 days journey um and in um, verse three it says the 11th month and i expected 11 to be a very similar word in the hebrew but it seems to be totally different and i was wondering if you have anything on that
2: Ah, uh, wow uh <laughs> I, was, okay. I know, I'm it no, it's okay. Uh I was looking at the the language of 11 by he which is is a very is a strange way to say the number 11. Um the, the normal way is to say it to say uh which is the the simple natural reading of it. I'd have to do uh a study of that, I don't know. No, that's fine. But <laughs> I also was. I was also. It almost as Aramaic looking. The mm-hmm. way the structure of the word it is a, a different stretch. Each of those is conveying something different. One is you are this close. You, do you realize? Imagine you've been in the wilderness forty years. Your parents have died. That means everyone's died, mm. and you're only eleven day journey from where this thing all started. But we spent forty years. The, the message mm. there is, oh my gosh! Like, and what's about to come is enormous. So one of the one is conveying. You were just so close to Mount Sinai, and then the other one is conveying, giving us a date, and by reverse engineering the date, um, so if, if according to Jewish tradition, um, Moses died on the 7th of Adar, so if you, you know, if you move that back, we can figure out that it's just a little bit more than five, uh, a little more than five weeks, yeah. Five and a half weeks, the yeah. first day, so right.
0: it, it continues on from there. He goes on to say, you know, after uh, well, no, I'll go from verse three. It says, "Now it, it came to pass um, in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them, after he had killed Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtoreth in Edri. On the side of the Jordan and in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Take a turn and take your journey and go uh, to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain and in the mountains and in the lowlands, in the south and on the seacoast and to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon as far as the great river, the Euphrates. The river Euphrates. And let me ask a question, Toby. You know, maybe you can help me out here. I know that it goes from uh, from sea to sea, and, and the uh, you know the the river Jordan flows down there. But you, you get to a point where where the where Jordan, you know, where the, where the river Jordan begins. But it continues; the the span of the land continues up through Lebanon to the Euphrates River. Now, my question is: I mean, we've got the we've got the Mediterranean on the on the uh, west side, but
2: how far east does the land extend? Well, you're asking a very good question. In fact, this land that we have in view here, the Jews were never never conquered. This is really messianic. Mm. What we're what is coming into view is this: is what would have happened if. The sin of the spies had not befallen the Jewish people. If the Jews had gone directly from Mount Sinai into the land of Israel without these catastrophes that we've just Mm. endured in the book of Numbers, which are going to be not just enumerated in a moment, but we're going to see it through Moses' eyes in a moment. Because remember... Deuteronomy is going through Moses. That means this is the language of Moses speaking. So what Moses is—this is like building up here, and the tempo is building. And Moses saying, "Look, if you went right into the land of Israel, you could—we would have had." It doesn't say it this way, but actually. If you look at the land boundaries here, you're looking at the boundaries that are of the Messianic age. These are Messianic boundaries. The Jews, in fact, didn't go all the way all into Lebanon, up all the way to the Euphrates. and We didn't have that. But if you go to Ezekiel 47 and 48, you'll find it right there. And this brings us to a Jewish tradition that if, in fact, Moses had entered the land of Israel, and there hadn't been the sin of the spies, they would have never have been exiled in the sense they would have been entering a messianic age this is so there is a kind of this is what you could have had this is what you blew this is the mistakes you made the purpose of this is always to don't make these mistakes again moses directing them right to the people and saying to him, this is what you could have had. Now you're going to land where in the land you're about to go. You have to plow. You have to work your field. There's not going to be miracles going on on, the continent on a daily basis. There'll be a lot of uh, blandishments that are, you're susceptible. So he's preparing them for what they're about to what they're about to endure.
0: Right. And he says, uh, the Lord, uh, your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the
2: stars of heaven in multitude. <laughs> I should, I, I want to just comment on that because I don't see people commenting on it and I don't want to. Here, there's no modifier. Now You might be asking, why does we see the Torah It says that the Jewish people will be like the stars of the sky? Mm-hmm. We're not like the stars of the sky. We don't, there's a gazillion right? Mm. So, so there is a modifier, and the and I might as well teach it here, express it here, because I, I should have been back in Genesis, but I don't know... The key of there's usually a modifier, but the modifier always comes up earlier. Is that cannot be counted. So what that means is the Jewish people are a people of a miracle. You just can't count the Jewish people. It does not mean that there are the same number of stars in the sky as there are Jews on right. earth. It is the Jews are in when we see this when we're first introduced to this metaphor it says, you'll be like the stars of the heaven, that cannot be counted. The Jewish people are, in fact, a people of a miracle. And can't be counted really has a deeper meaning than just, wow, there's just so many of them, but... It is what's being, what we're told, the context is a people of a miracle, a people that will survive anything, a people that's always there, a people that are compared to the planetary bodies. In the famous Jeremiah 31, where God says, you know, so says the Lord who created the sun to illuminate the day, the moon, and the heavenly bodies, and if these laws shall pass before me, so will the seed of Jacob, so that... So we see in Jeremiah 31 that Jeremiah is saying this, that look up at the heavens, look at these heavenly bodies. If they're there, then the seed of Jacob is here. Mm. So therefore, the modifier isn't here in Deuteronomy, but it is all over. It's all over Genesis. The modifier is, we're a people that are a, a people of a miracle. You know, a funny thing about the Hebrew language, uh, there there isn't even a word for irony in Hebrew. We don't have such a word because irony suggests that there is a norm, and then there's the then there's the exception to the rule. So, oh, how ironic. All of Jewish history is just so strange. And all of history should never have happened. So that's what's happening. <speaking> should be understood, as a people who are, who are beyond the normal counting, that will be above nature, right. that transcend right. nature.
0: And even so, in verse 11, he continues, May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised. Now, he seems to change tone right there, Tobia. He then says... How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? And he seems to recount that which Yitro came and uh, told him to do back in uh, in Shemot, right in Exodus. He comes and says, "Oh, look, you can't you can't listen to everybody and all their complaints. You need to delegate." And he told him how he should delegate. Is this what's being recounted? Yeah, here? I mean, I mean,
2: so what's happening here is that you remember I said Moses. This is has a totally different texture than anything we've encountered. This is Torah. It's the word of God, but this is going to the filter of perhaps the greatest man that ever lived, Moses. And Mm -hmm. Moses is saying that you have made things very difficult. Now, notice that this is going to build up. Moses now is in a moment going to blame, going to say to the Jewish people, you know, because of you and because of your sins, I can't even go into the land. Mm. So this is now building. Remember I shared in verse 1, 1, and 2, Moses just alluding to it. So it's just a very slow build. And here it's building more, and there's, you needed so many judges and And you constantly creating problems. It was just impossible to bear what's happening. And now Joshua is going to be taking over. We know that from before, and we're going to see that coming into view here. That's why I always am marveled. I'll just say this one thing. When I'm asked by Christians all the time, who is the prophet like Moses? And I'm going, what? Didn't you ever read the Torah? <laughs> I mean, hmm. like, it, it, it's pretty clear. It's pretty black and white. It's so black and white because we're going to have it here that I can't do it anymore. Joshua is taking over. We had hmm. it. We're going to have it. So, therefore, it actually hit me like a because I'm coming from a non Christian world trying to understand the world that I've never been a part of. And that's that's that question that comes up constantly told me that, wow, they really never read through the Torah from beginning Mm. to end with... Like, not even remotely like we're doing now. Not only for those who are Christians listening to this. I don't mean that as a put down but it, it's very clear to me that that Christians are not learning Torah. They they're, they're learning verses and very important segments of of historical value, mm-hmm. but they're not going through these texts. why would this question keep coming up over and over again? So true. Does that Jason, make sense to you? I mean, absolutely.
0: No, yeah. no, no, no. It, it does, and it does come up over and over again. This is. Uh, and we will be talking about that in depth when we get to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We'll be talking about that in some uh, detail. Jason, you were going to say. Yes,
1: yeah, there's a nice uh, thing in, in verse 8 where it says that um, the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. He Moses says that over 20 times in Deuteronomy. In fact, there's a few phrases which are going to come up in this Torah portion which at the beginning of these marathon sessions of um, using the same phrases over and over but when we we get to this part where he recalls um, that he wasn't able to deal with this amount of people and he gets in this new series of um, judges what's kind of interesting is from 13 it says get you from each of your tribes wise men with understanding full of knowledge and I will make them heads over you Mm. And then in 15, it says, So I took the heads of your tribes, wise men and full of knowledge, and made them heads over you. Mm -hmm. But we're missing the with understanding. So it seems to me that that he couldn't find men with all three attributes and had to settle for two. Do you ever notice that? I've never noticed that. So have you you
2: ever noticed that? Well, that's what Jason pointed out is going to connect to the spies because... You're going to have ah. people who are, and this is inter juxtaposed with people and it's brilliant. That's ex- you know the people who are given were these are the most elite, the highest, and these are the people that sometimes did in the past tense did not demonstrate understanding, with very few exceptions, like Kalev and Joshua. With but mm. with that exception, it was. Um, They were, you know, they were not, they didn't possess the understanding that they should have demonstrated at a critical juncture.
0: So it continues in verse 19, we departed from Horeb and went through all of that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites the Lord your God had commanded us. And uh, then we came to Kadesh Baneah, and I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go and possess it. Mm. As the Lord your God, uh, the God of your fathers, spoke to you, do not fear nor be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us. Now, you brought this up when we were talking about um, uh, the 12 spies. To to truly understand what went on, we need to um, read through this, this portion here, that the people approached Moses and said, Let us send men before us, let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us. Uh, of the way by which we should go up and of the cities and right. uh, into so which now, we shall okay, come. So
2: now yep. we fill in the piece. That means if all you had was numbers you, and you didn't read Deuteronomy, my holy listeners, please be careful because you can see here, if you only read numbers, you didn't have this, you would not have the whole story. So this this. This overlays it. The people actually come to Moses, and Moses thinks, it was saying, we should send in spies first, to check out the land. Moses says, this sounds like a good idea, according to Jewish tradition, what Moses is saying is, you know what, if I just show confidence, sure, go in. The people go, ah, we don't need to go. So Moses is kind of blaming himself here. You know, it seemed like a very good idea. We know now, going back to Numbers, that God said, if it for you, that you're welcome to do it. That means God gave Moses permission. We now could see the whole full story that happens here, and then Moses is going to tell them, Look what you did. Yeah, Jason. So, um, when I look at the um torah there's some there's something specifically that
1: I want to bring up, but when I look at the Torah, especially in relation to the different events that happen in different places in different books but all um, come under the same account i I look at the Torah like a sandwich right so but lots of people look at the Torah like a pizza, so they'll start off. They'll they'll take their slice of pizza, right? This is what we're going to look at today. And then they'll eat through that slice of pizza from the crust to the middle or the middle to the crust, whatever way they do it. And then they think that they have now, because of their experience, a good understanding of the rest of that pizza. But that's not always the case, because as we know, you can have umpteen different toppings and umpteen different places. So you have to approach Torah like it's a sandwich and take a good cross section of the event from all the places it turns up. Mm-hmm. That's the, And that's, that's, as Tovia said, Excellent. if you just read numbers, you really don't know what's happening. You don't get the full story. Um, and what, what, so there's one part in this that's kind of interesting for me. And it, it kind of um, is what I was just talking about with the differences in the text with um, who was needed to be picked and who was picked. In that, in, in uh, Numbers 13.2, um, um, it says, um, send for yourself. Men, so you pick
2: right, men. That's right, luchah. <laughs> right,
1: mm-hmm. and um, right. and that was to do with the the sending people into the land because that's that was right. the people's the people's idea. But and so God didn't. I, I don't think God approved of that idea because He says, "Send for yourself." But when Good. we go to the part the part that talks about getting the judges, it says, "Gather for Me seventy men." Right, and God really, does uh, does approve of that because He's He's being a part of that. He's saying, "Get Me animal. seventy men." And uh, I think it's worth um, keeping that in mind, that the, the yeah. spy idea was not one that got approved of.
2: Right. Thank uh, you. Look, me, look, if you want it, go ahead. And you know, we see that the same language with Bilam. It's the exact same word when oh, yeah. when Bilam comes back to God a second time because he's thinking about the house full of gold and silver. If we remember, mm-hmm. God said to Bilam, "All right, now that's it. I don't want to go to compare Bilam to Moses, but it's the same luchah for you. If you want to go, go ahead." God saying, "If the people want spies." All right, go ahead. But this is a reluctant kind of language. you It's very, very, very good. Very good insight. Very good. So verse 26,
0: nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites. To I just in
1: real, real quick, in your tents means that they were not collected as a whole people. They were individually complaining in their own homes rather than getting together as a community and solving the problem there's mm-hmm. these tiny little things in the text which we read over sometimes um if i think if if so, if this was a narrative to a series of pictures it would sometimes be easy for us to understand um, but it's super important to like just Take a little bit, try and picture what's happening. It wasn't in your tent. It wasn't a whole big tent of people. They were individually aggravated and annoyed Mm -hmm. and complaining, just like they were with a quail.
2: Is something that screams at me, and that is that the people are saying to themselves, "God hates me," which is very yeah. strange. Like, so this really is telling us where people wind up in sin. How do people get themselves into enormous trouble? So, they're first of all, the, the word is they're 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 gossiping about God, as Jason said, in their own tense. But what are they mm-hmm. saying? God hates me. This is a very interesting thing. This is what gets everyone into trouble. And that is that when you think that God hates me and God will never forgive me and God has it in for me, mm. then you go, what's the point? Get me out of here. Taking back to the land of cucumbers. This is the beginning of the end of everything. And that is to impose onto God the idea that God hates me. And where have we heard that before? That God is perfect. We're sinful men. God can't even look upon us. That's why we, and from that, if you, if you insert that, po, if you insert that man-made postulate, mm. then you're going to go and stray. And that's what happens here. The people are imposing into God the idea that, oh, he hates my guts. So he mm. hates my guts. So then, uh-huh. So then you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. And, uh, and Moses continues, verse
0: 29, I said to you, do not be afraid, by, or don't tremble, or be afraid of them, the Lord your God, who goes before you. He will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, I love this, how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. I think yeah, it's beautiful.
1: I, 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 and um, you know what's so important about that? Is that that's another, another reference to the relationship that um, God has with Israel in the father-son context. Often we go back to Exodus what is it, 4.22, when yeah. um, his, Moses is before Pharaoh. And after that, we have to kind of go to the prophets to find that kind of relationship. Um, but here's another clear example where God himself speaks about the relationship um, between I- Israel and his father. And I think this might even, I think I read in a commentary once that this was where... The father idea, as in our, um, our father in heaven, um, kind of was born from, from this exact passage. I think I read that. Uh, don't quote me on it. But, um, but yeah, it is beautiful. And, it, and again, it's a skip over text. It's a skip over passage. It's not separated from the rest of the text in my Bible. It's just
2: something that you read through. But it's hugely important. I think so too. Yeah, yeah and I, because I just kind yep. of juxtapose what Moses said now. In your eyes, you think God hates your guts, and that's what led you to sin. And Moses is saying, God loves you. He's like a father carrying a son. I mean, you can't, that's what's, what's you know, I don't know if this is true in art, but in photography, what we're always trying to do is create something called separation, where it's contrasting one color against another. There's a separation here. Where you got yourself in trouble is you thought in your head that God hates you, and then you said, get me out of here. I don't want anything to do with it. In fact, God loves you, and he carries you. He walked with you as a father carries his child. That's beautiful.
0: Uh, it continues on, verse 32, Yet for all of that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way and before and you this tells us. Up- I,
2: I apologize. I, I, why am right. I apologizing? This is my, what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> not, this is a Jew. Jews work around. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I didn't mean it. This is the key point of what it means, faith, my friends. Do you have faith? Faith is not, God is not saying, talking here, I mean, it's so obvious here in these texts that the word uh, emunah, faith, does not mean the way it means in a colloquial sense that you believe in God. They've been talking to they've been hearing God's voice, they've been seeing, it's trust. That's what faith means mm. in the Bible. It doesn't mean, do you actually believe there is a God? Because if you say you have faith that there is a God, or that your religion is the correct religion, what makes you different than other religions? They're, they're, I, mm. I can't say that my faith... Faith is stronger than a guy who's willing to blow himself up for what he believes. Forget about how nasty it is, but it's clear these people believe. Faith in Torah means that you trust God, not that you believe that he exists. You trust that he will keep his word. And this Mm -hmm. also connects to to God. You pointed out before, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promise that this God always keeps His promise to our forefathers. Go ahead. That's that Amen. point because that's what faith emuna does not mean faith in God that God exists. It means trusting that He'll keep His promise to the future. As evident
0: by their actions, as we're about to read about with uh, Caleb and Joshua. Before we do, Jason, you were just going to say about Hosea chapter eleven.
1: Oh yeah, I was literally just going to say Hosea chapter eleven in relation to <laughs> um, <laughs> in relation to um, the father and son context. That that's a hmm. that's a the kind of way that the prophets pointed back to this relationship that Israel had in the land Every, um and often people say out of Israel I called my son, but i um, sorry out of Egypt I called, my, of, son. Yeah, Egypt, called yeah. my son, but then then they don't do the whole passage mm. um which is the uh, context of Israel, yeah um I really literally only um typed that out, and but it's too late, so it's cool so don't worry about it. we'll move on and so verse thirty-four.
0: <laughs> And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath, saying, Surely not one of these men uh, of these evil generations shall see that good land which I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it. And to him and his children I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the lord the lord was uh, also angry with me mm. on, on for you know for your sake saying even you shall not go there uh joshua bin nun joshua son of mm. nun who stands before you he shall go there encourage him for he shall cause israel to inherit
2: so this in this is very big here incidentally every year when moses the date of moses your site, his date of death, people go to Joshua's tomb, because uh, we don't have a tomb for Moses. Yeah. Um, and you can see here, the interconnection is so clear. But there's a very strange, or somewhat. there's a lot of commentary on the passage where Moses says, Gam be, even me, his anaf Hashem, God is angry at me, beglalchem, le- that means that because of you, because of you, mm-hmm. God was, I mean, because of the sin of the spies, God was angry with me, and because of that, I can't go into the land of Israel. So you got me in a whole lot of trouble, and for Moses, going into the land of Israel wasn't touring the land, but for going to him for going to Israel meant to keeping all these commandments. You know, we have in Deuteronomy, I don't know, something like 220 commandments. Not all of them are new. Some of them are repetitions, but must be about eighty of them are, are new commandments that Moses wanted to keep these commandments and he couldn't keep it in the land of Israel, but what does it mean that God was angry me too because of you? Wasn't it because Moses hit the rock? Hit the rock, yeah, right. he did twice. So you see now the the in, so, so Moses is saying here quite directly that the implications for the spies prevented me from going into the land as well. Mm And he says, which means you. It was it was you that that caused this very serious problem that I can go, and now Joshua is going in my stead. Which mm. here we see it bingo right here again. Think, so yeah. what, like, what did Moses mean by that? Didn't he? So Moses clearly is. This only makes sense when we go back to the passage. Prior to this, what Moses said, um, Moses said that you know the spies to me seem like a good idea. You see, so Moses, this you see, this is coming through the filter of Moses from his vantage point. Obviously, Moses going, why did I ever trust you to go along with this? plan this plot this idea it seemed Mm. in my eyes this looked like a good idea but ultimately this led to a lot of problems and moses takes blame for this the other part of this is when moses hits the rock instead of speaks to the rock if you look carefully at the passage back in numbers see that god says to Moses, the reason you can't go into the land is because you did not use this moment to sanctify my name. You Mm. didn't show leadership at that very critical juncture. And that's why our sages look not just as the hitting of the rock or just that, or not speaking to the rock as the era of Moses. Therefore, you can go into the land. But it's far more holistic, and that is at critical junctures. I mean, we talk about Moses, so it's, it's almost hard for this to get in my mouth. But if the Torah didn't speak of this, I wouldn't say it. But it's Moses clearly expressing to people at critical junctures. I didn't show adequate leadership. I have to overlay on this or else it won't make sense. And I need it. Sure. people listen very carefully here. We see the sins going on in the wilderness that the Jews are punished so severely for. And we see the same exact iniquities committed later, like in the book of Ezra uh sleeping with foreign women marrying Hmm. non-jewish women and no one's put to death for it ezra if you go please go to ezra chapter 10 as i always say you read it for yourself ezra puts on sackcloth he puts ashes on his head he tells the men who took foreign wives send these wives and their children away but he doesn't kill them they're not put to death for it identical sin so it's very important this is very big, is that God holds people accountable based on what they knew and what he expected from them. And, and a person who is on a very high level, the expectation, the judge, it's called to which they the judge by a hair, judge by a blink, the people who didn't know people asking me, "What happens to my cousin who's in the church? What happens to this to, my, to me? Is God gonna hate me because I was in the Messianic movement for twenty years?" Was I? going to do this. I, I said, you didn't know any better. No one, God will never hold you accountable of what you didn't know. If you wanted to look at a epoch in, in history when the people were were most informed, where that excuse really would not work, that's in the wilderness. Because here you had a nation who saw the plagues, who saw this parting of the sea, they, they heard the voice of God, they actually yeah. saw the voice of God. So just imagine if you could t- create a, a line of uh, uh, a, 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 a diagonal line of going, what is at the point where the people were held most accountable, would have had the mo that's what's called a Durhamidbur. The generation of the wilderness, and Moses mm. therefore is judged on a super, very high level because so mm. much was expected of him. But if you look carefully with the, this is the point I'm going to go. We'll move on. But the heading of the rock, it, God says, the reason you can't go into land is because you failed to sanctify my name. he didn't mm. show the proper leadership, and didn't at the right juncture. And Moses blaming himself it's because of the way you behaved when I, you know, opened the door for you here. So I just want to explain mm. that one passage.
0: It goes on with a very curious verse. Verse 39 says, moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in and uh, they'll, they'll go in and possess land. What does that mean, Toby? That means, that they have exactly no-
2: that. That means the children were as the generation Died. They, those were the adults that would that died as a result of this the spies. But the children. He's enumerating the exception that is the children. They didn't know any better. They're not held culpable for what what occurred.
1: Okay. And uh, the people are saying, um, "Oh, you're going to punish our children because of mistakes we made." And I think that's what it means when he says, um, "Moreover, you say that they will be a prey that they're going to be." Um, a victim of this the mm. d- decision. Um, but they're not going to be a victim. They're going to go into the land. I think that's mm. it. They're going to go into the land. But that's,
0: uh, so they're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness, and he's telling them that. And then he said, but remember, you know, the time when you sort of came to yourselves, you woke up and you said, no, no, sorry, it's all right. I've had a bicky now. I feel better. Uh, we're just going to go up into the land. And I told you not to go, but they went up into the land, and lo and
2: behold they were run uh they they were attacked by the amorites in the mountains right just the thing is that after they told the king to land then they said we're going any we're gonna go Mm -hmm. and but that point already it was sealed and they couldn't they they
0: were pushed back it was too late and they were pushed back we're in chapter two and uh he recounts the details
2: in the desert toby what should we be highlighting here um, the, I mean, this is the history of, of our people. What we're seeing here is a telescoping of all the, the iniquities of the spies until the, the time now that they're standing to enter the land and God and what Moses, this is a speech that's going to last a few chapters. In the next portion, we're coming to the epic passages. That means that as we're standing here and we're going into the land, you cannot let your faith become um, uh, fall short, be weak as it was in the past. You have to be strong. We're now. So what's happening is going to the past, looking at the rearview mirror, and these are the great errors of the past. And now we'll look mm. to the future. Don't repeat them in the future. That's what the purpose you know what? is.
0: You know what I find uh, interesting? In verse 5, it talks about uh, land that God has given to Esau as a possession. In verse uh, 9, it talks about land that uh, God has given to Lot as a possession. Jason are you're going to highlight. Um,
1: just the fact that we sometimes uh, look at the Torah and uh, God's relationship with Israel as if God only has a relationship with Israel and that everybody else outside of this story isn't part of his plan. Mm. Um, but they are. That, and even within the text, even when the, if within the text of the Tanakh, we see plenty of Im, um, images, plenty of stories, plenty um, of historical events, which God is, is a mastermind of everything. But within the text, we see him being the author of people, peoples and places outside of the state of Israel and the people of Israel. Um, where he um, orchestrates a huge event and they may have an effect on Israel. They may not have an effect on Israel. Israel might have an effect on them or vice versa. Um, but it's important for us to remember that he is everybody's God and that we are all his creation. And so, yeah, we do see some examples here of of different peoples and even interactions between different peoples. So I think in 11 or 12, it talks about Esau and the, is it the Horites. No, yeah, twelve. All right. So twelve starts talking about the H- Horites and how Esau um had had slowly started taking the Horites land from them. That's got nothing to do with Israel, really. Mm. Right? It's just it's, it's it's a side
0: note, really. It's isn't it? a side
1: note, right? But what it's letting us know is that the the as important as Israel's story is. There are other stories. There's other happening. stuff going on. There's other stuff going on. And even later on, we got the book of Jonah, where um, this one Hebrew goes to uh, Nineveh. And there's a whole thing there about a load of non-Israelites who hear the word of a prophet and realize that they've sinned against the one God and repent in uh, what has to be said. is a very Jewish mm. way. Um But yeah, I think it's important to remember, and to be honest, we could probably skip over most of this chapter, because there is a lot of geography. But it's important to remember that although um, Israel's story, they're the stars of the show, they're not the only um, people on the cast. And and you're right,
0: and the the Book of Jonah is an example of that. Another one you and I were talking about recently, Obadiah, which is a prophet entirely to... Uh, a prophet entirely to Edom. To,
1: to yeah, Edom. And, is that and, right, Sabi? Yeah, and the destruction of
2: Edom, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And um, Obadiah I think was um um not a
2: Hebrew, is that right? Right. He was, was he? A, that means he was a convert. And God used people like Obadiah or use Habakkuk who came from strange peoples in order to bring it's like God uses the handle of an axe which is made from the tree to chop down the tree. Mm which is an interesting maxim of our sages. Ooh. I, I want to, I'll just share what we see here is that God is keeping the promises he made to Abraham's children, Lot's daughters, Mm-hmm. Their land can't be touched. So God is saying, "Look, there's certain the whole bunch of lands that you can't go into because that land's been set aside for other nations. You can't even the, the, some of them. These are your you gotta brothers. You got to buy the
0: food. You got to buy the water.
2: Yeah, don't yeah. Uh, some nations you can't. I mean, unless they go to war with you, which some of them did later on, but otherwise, these lands and these lands you uh, can't touch. I had a I have a different perspective." Um it doesn't it doesn't uh, not doesn't disagree with Jason but I've been thinking for years that the Torah is is missing a lot of information about how wicked the nations were that were in the land of Israel And the human sacrifice and the depravity and the abominations that were going on there. It it seems the Torah is an instruction book for the world that the world should look at the Jew and see how he's behaved or misbehaved and learn their ways. Uh, But we don't, the Torah does not uh, go to the, uh, the Canaanites and spend time on them unless it's somehow connected to the jewish people Mm -hmm. and it it is very clear that they were quite horrific the reason this why is this significant because i think people really are shocked by the severity of how that the jews are told to go in and if those nations don't flee or so on that they're to be destroyed and Mm. people are going like why like there's like really rough stuff in here like there is from the text what is not there is how the abominations that were going on in these nations that they had they were to be destroyed that they were in rebellion against God that mm-hmm. isn't the rebellion of the Jews is all over the place. Uh, rebellion, but we the,
0: don't hear the details of the uh, no, the the, no, we the don't. depravity
2: and that, of that's, the nations. That's a warning, right? That's a warning for the for the um, what's his name, Sam Harris, out there who's listening to this show. You know, <laughs> th- that's why there is this. It, this is the problem with Sam Harris. who's a well-known atheist. Is he knows so much about the uh, biology of the brain, but he knows nothing about Torah. And it's not putting him down. He didn't have a chance. But what I find among these uh, atheists that run around is that they're so their knowledge is so asymmetrical. They have so much knowledge of sciences. They have so little knowledge of scripture, and people who, who are familiar with scripture. I'm familiar with sciences don't have run into these problems, but these people don't have it. That's why I'm making the point.
0: Now you're you're, you're talking about the atheists' uh, w- readiness to rush into verses where it talks about, as we're about to look at, right. um, the destruction of, of the women and and the little yes, ones. Yes,
2: right. That means what is what would have happened to you? I want to ask you, the listener. This is just very instructive because right now, radical atheism. You know, you have the Sam Harris and we, will, we had, the, you know, Christopher Hitch. It turns out these guys are Jewish, which is very unusual, the disproportionate number of these. One of the things that we don't have is we. we the Torah is looking at the Jewish people, and this is how you're to live your lives. The Jews are not only a lighted nations, but if the Jews misbehave, we're also instruction of what not to do. And that's so why the Bible tells you the Jews were punished double for their iniquity. And let me warn everyone here. No one suffered more in the land of Israel than the Jews did. No one was thrown out of that land more than the Jews were. No one no one endured more pain because the land this is the key of the land of Israel, the land cannot take sin the land of israel can't can't take it, and therefore, if we remember a conversation going back when God said to Abraham, "Your children will go into land, but the, they can't why don't they go now or soon because the sins haven't been filled up of the people who are in the land." But these are but the depravity of the behavior of the people, the landers will not tolerate it, and'll spit them out and spit us out more than anyone did mm. and so uh, just just quickly, uh, King Sion uh,
0: he was defeated, but uh, what, what happened was that uh, uh, the king of Heshbon Sion uh, he would not let Israel pass through the Lord uh, hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into the hand of of Israel. And that is what happened, and uh, they were totally and utterly destroyed. And so it was also uh, King uh, Og of Bashan uh, also was destroyed, and the the men, the women, the children uh, in every city, but all, of the, all the livestock and the spoil of the cities of, of both those uh, areas, Israel took for themselves. Now, there's an interesting thing before we jump out of that, and that's a little story about a, a bedstead. In verse 11, it says, For only Og, king of Bashan, remains for the remnants of the giants, or that's the um, uh, Rephaim, I think. Indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Mm. Is it not in Rabah, of the people of Ammon, nine cubits in length and four cubits in width, according to the standard cubit? That's about 13 feet, I think.
2: Well, a cubit to to tell you explain what a cubit is because actually the text says a cubit of a human so the cubit is from the elbow to the tip of your middle finger which is I don't know. It's uh, this is what is that, twenty inches or so is generally yeah, it's better. More it. than
0: a foot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's
2: a. this is a uh-huh. very this is a very big fellow. This is the size of his bed. And it also the Torah goes out of its way. His bed couldn't be made out of wood, which would have collapsed under his weight. The only way, you know and in the ancient world, iron was not you know, was something used for war as a necessity, but People hmm. didn't make their beds out of iron. This was, it was serious. It was a big boy. Huge. Now, we often hear the... Uh, i just jump oh, in real Jason. quick.
1: Sorry, super quick. Um Jason. There is, as well, um, some conjecture that um, the Aramaic for this word for bedstead is also um, coffin. And they, uh, there's some conjecture among some historians that right. so this is referring to an iron sarcophagus. But people can look up what they want and you know, study that out for themselves That's I just wanted to throw that in know what you know, what, you know what that th- makes
0: me think of mm-hmm. that makes me think of the israel museum uh, we we 're going to see a lot of uh, sarcophagus, different very ancient um, sarcophagus and uh there w- when, when we 're there in November, uh, and just off the top of my head, i don 't know that we see an iron one Toby. Have you ever seen no, such No, i 've only seen them made out of uh, out of clay. clay or stone yeah yeah. Stone yeah. Or, yeah. Interesting, anyhow. Mm. Okay. Now, now it continues on, and it talks about the land uh, east of the Jordan being divided. Now, we often hear the the expression from sea to sea, from the Galilee to the Mediterranean, but here we are on the east
2: side of the Jordan, Tobia, and and, uh, there's divisions of land. Right. We're not going to be on the eastern part of the Jordan, on the tour because ISIS is there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to be We're there. not doing that part this of the tour is, this is Jordan. And what's happening is that the children of Lot, and you have two daughters who have an incestuous relationship with their father. The older daughter is apparently has no shame whatsoever and actually just calls the child from my father, which is what the name Moab means which she I didn't know that oh, Are yeah. you serious
0: i didn't know that
2: yeah may of from my father right that's what she th- i mean this is so she is like has they're just some women who just get drunk and they have no shame whatsoever that's the older daughter the the younger daughter hides the name you really can't tell you know you know uh Amoni, my nation, doesn't mean. So the younger daughter has the tenderness and wisdom to understand that this was not an event to be proud of, but the older daughter is just here it is. This is what I produced with my father. Waving Re- the flag. Nevertheless, Loth, Loth was a member of Abraham's family. Mm-hmm. Lot was also faithful to Abraham, when Abraham took uh, Loth down to Egypt, and Abraham said that, you know, that Sarah is my sister, which was a half lie or half truth, whatever it is. look at, Loth kept his mouth shut, so Loth was somebody who was not, who made a lot of many many errors, but. Abraham rushed in to save Lot's life back in Genesis 14. And this is a prom God is keeping promises, and that's what we see throughout here. So God's keeping promises to Lot's family, certain parts that go to Esau. Those you're not allowed to touch. You're only allowed to go through these lands, and you can't, in some cases, we're warned, don't even intimidate, don't even do anything to rile them up. Mm. Yeah. So it continues,
0: uh, verse 18, Then I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All you men of valor shall cross over arms before your brethren, the children of Israel, but your wives, your little ones, and your livestock. And I know that you have much livestock. That's interesting. Just a a little side note. Just letting you know, I know you've got a lot of livestock. Don't worry about it. Uh, They'll stay in the cities that I have given you until the Lord has given rest to your brethren as to you, and they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them beyond the Jordan. Then each of you may return
2: to his possession which I have given you. This is going back to the promise that God and Ruvay made, and that is we got a lot of livestock, we got, you know, well, so just reiterating, because this is, Deuteronomy can be seen as one big contract, uh, and there's a bang at the end of the contract with Deuteronomy twenty eight very painful very mm. difficult chapter it's it's much more much larger than than, than leviticus twenty six but uh it's it is a contract and it's, the, these are the terms of the contract they're being laid out over here mm. in this in this opening speech of Moses. The way that it ends uh, from
0: verse 21, and I command Joshua, I commanded Joshua right, right again at that time, saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings, so will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass you must not fear them for the lord your god himself fights for you
2: Mm -hmm. and that's the way it ends and these are the same we're going to see this repeated again in deuteronomy chapter 20. don't be afraid of them the lord your god is with you and Mm -hmm. my friends i know you're worried about an american president and the european Uh. union constantly threatening and it's don't please don't look at the torahs like there's a history book 3300 years ago nice great these are gripping stories but watch out with the gripping stories in the scripture that is you might not realize that god is talking to you in the united states or in europe and saying to you i know you're worried you read the newspaper or we'll watch online the stories you going, oh the european union is going to destroy israel don't be afraid. God is with you and God keeps his promises and that's mm. what you should take away from this. Brilliant. Thank you. Jason, any
0: final thoughts, my friend?
1: Only that the uh, last part there which um, speaks about um, Joshua isn't in the telling of that story in Numbers. And I want people, as we go through Deuteronomy, to try to um, measure up the information that they get in Deuteronomy to the original telling of some of those facts in the previous books of Torah. Because it's... It's, it's kind of interesting that on the one hand, we're absolutely told God spoke to Moses to tell Israel, but in this telling, for the most part, this is Moses' recollection, and there may be extra information that we hear about in Deuteronomy, which we don't read about in the original telling. So what does that say about what we understand to be the original dialogue? I've been a bit cryptic, maybe, but it will become clearer in future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: there will be future episodes. That was Devarim. Thank you Jason of spiritualbabies.net Rabbi Tovia Singer of OutreachJudaism.org is where you can get his latest books Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah Volumes 1 and 2 and also don't forget Tobiasinger.tv, where you can find all of his videos Thank you gentlemen and until next week dear listeners be blessed, be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word
2: Shalom yeah. I fair. loved your pizza thing and the sandwich. Yeah, the pizza sandwich yeah, thing. Yeah, got everybody made. got hungry. But it was <laughs> 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 But that was very good because it really is overlaid. It's a sandwich. It's like the tuna fish Lettuce, tomato, purple onion on toast. And it's overlaid, it's not one big thing. And that's what that's the difference between the eisegesis and exegesis. That's a really good analogy. Very good. I'm gonna i I'm gonna plagiarize it immediately. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Everything I
1: said I got from your bag.
2: <laughs> so there it so. is.
0: G'day dear listeners, Jono here reminding you that we are returning to Israel with Rabbi Tovia Singer and we want you to come with us this November. Go to to truthtoyou.org and click on the Tanakh Tour of Israel and join us as we walk where judges, kings, priests and prophets made history in the Holy Land. Seats are limited so don't delay the Tanakh Tour of Israel this November on truthtoyou.org.